You're listening to the She is Fierce radio show. She is Fierce connects women to each other and their dreams. You'll meet incredible women who all have one thing in common. They took a leap. They've got passion. They're on a mission. They're doing exciting and rewarding things. And they want to help you take your big leap. And now your host, She is Fierce founder, Kelly Youngs. Welcome to the She Is Fierce show presented by Bozard Ford Lincoln. I'm Kelly Youngs, the founder of She Is Fierce. Today, I am so excited and honored to have an incredibly accomplished and inspiring woman with us. You probably feel like you already know Soledad O'Brien. Her name and face have been a fixture in American media for years as an award-winning journalist, documentarian, news anchor, and producer. She's been the host of shows on networks like CNN, MSNBC, Al Jazeera, and HBO, and she has her own multi-platform media production and distribution company, Starfish Media Group, that's dedicated to uncovering and producing empowering stories that often take a challenging look at the divisive issues of race, class, wealth, poverty, and opportunity through personal narratives. She is also the mom of four, and on top of all that, She's the founder of Pow Hurtful, a foundation that gets young women to and through college and offers summits across the country to inspire young girls to seek higher education and gives them the information they need to actually make it happen. Soledad, thank you so much for joining me today. I am honored to have you here. Oh, you're so sweet. Thank you. It's my pleasure. Uh, well, listen, I want to talk a little bit about your mission and I know you're on this big mission to help young women from diverse backgrounds get into college and succeed once they're there. Now, you're a Harvard graduate, so you clearly have a little bit of experience in this area. Can you share first a little bit of your story about how you got started and how you became a journalist and, and sort of started on Sure. Yeah, you know, I really, um, I was uh, an undergraduate at Harvard University, uh, and I was uh, I majored in English and uh, and pre-medical science. I was pretty sure I was going to be a doctor. I'd been a candy striper, worked in a nursing home, worked in a pharmacy. Sort of every decision I was making was to look good on a resume when I wanted to either, you know, apply to medical school or have conversations about why I'd be a great doctor one day. Mm -hmm. And I was taking organic chemistry with my sister, who's a couple of years older than me. Uh, we were both at Harvard together. And one time we we're taking this test and I realized she was just really passionate about science. You know, she said to me, why are you memorizing all this stuff in organic chemistry? It, much of it is just kind of shoving stuff into your head. Uh, yeah. you know, structures of molecules. And I'd say to her, and she'd say, you know, you should just understand how to deduce this formula. Like a scientist would try to get the material, not just memorize the material. And I was actually mm -hmm. quite good at the memorizing and not the other. And it sort of threw me because I thought, gosh, she's right. Like, I don't really even think I'm passionate about this. I'm good at it. I'm very, very solid, but I don't want to do it. And so I, I stopped. I left school, started working in a TV station because they give you credit. And um, it was a walkable distance from uh, from Harvard, where I was a student, and and I did well there. So they hired me to work full time, and I started working um, as an intern and then a minority trainee, and really working my way up the ranks. I always liked that in television; it was very much like an apprenticeship system. You know, you had you could just sort of 
figure it out was kind of part of the, the gig. And so I did. And, um, and then uh, eventually I'd go back to school and finish my degree when I was anchoring actually at the Weekend Today show. I started reporting, I started producing, and then I went out to California to report. And then I started anchoring in San Francisco and uh, went back to New York to anchor for NBC News and then left NBC to work at CNN. And I just feel, you know, you look back at your career, I'm 50 now, heading toward 51, and you realize that all these great opportunities, I think, came to me to some degree because I was a hard worker, but also because I was very open to it. Like, I, I remember leaving NBC News for CNN and the number of people who were just stunned. People would say to me, I can't believe you'd leave this platform. And I, I just realized how many times people get stuck to their platform and when they're really concerned about leaving their platform, if you will, they don't, mm. they don't take risks. They don't, they don't try to create a new platform. They don't try to do other things. I think it's a really bad idea to just say, you know, well, this is a good platform, so I've got to stay here, even if it's not a particularly rewarding platform or there's other things you want to be doing. So, you know, I look back now and really think part of my mission is to help young women figure out well, what is their platform and not to be afraid to jump to do different things. You know, the skill and, and what are your skills? How do you figure out what they are? And what are those things that make you good at a bunch of different jobs and opportunities? Mm, well, I love your I love your story. And I have to say that I find it personally inspiring because I think I shared this with you when we first met, but my background is in media as well and kind of got into it in the same way, just going, well, this is fun. And then I think once you're into that kind of journalism and network environment, you just, you just keep moving because it's such a fast paced environment. And I jumped out of that and started She is Fierce, which at the time was a little bit crazy, just starting this crazy women's website. <laughs> and and I had the same sort of reaction and had the same kinds of, um, I think, fears, to be honest, as I started it, thinking, well, if this doesn't work out, that's not going to make me look very good, right? And um, I want to ask you, because one of the things that so many of the incredibly accomplished women that we talk to at She is Fierce have these amazing credentials and experiences. And just like you, I listed just a short list of your accomplishments at the intro. And I want to ask you what challenges you've come across. So what setbacks you had to, to deal with and, and how you kind of got past them. Because I know, you know, it all sounds amazing when we list it, but we all have to deal with those really challenging things. Can you share something that you've had to really struggle to overcome? You know, I have to say, I, I grew up in a very solidly middle-class family. My parents both went not only on to college, but have multiple graduate degrees. So Navigating education wasn't particularly hard for me, sort of structurally speaking. Mm -hmm. I always knew I was going to go to college. I knew I'd, you know, if I got stuck on something, I had a lot of brothers and sisters who all had been very successful, both in college and in the work world. So I never, you know, I, I don't think my story was ever like one of overcoming. And even some of the crazy stuff that happened at work, often a lot of stories that I talk about around diversity, I don't even think that I had like horrible experiences or terrible racist experience. I just didn't. I mean, I had a very solid upbringing. And I think some of that too was my reaction to craziness has always been very like, yeah, you know, mm -hmm. we just keep plowing through. We just keep moving, keep moving. Don't let stuff stick to you. Yeah. Uh, I do think that, you know, if there's been any obstacle, it's just in trying to figure out in normal job shifts and changes that everybody has. Um, you know, how do you navigate? How do you figure it out? I didn't know anybody in television news. Some people knew a lot of people, had a lot of experience. And I kind of stuck to some of the basics of working hard. And then what happens, I think, especially for women, is you end up becoming that hard worker, but you're not working smart. Mm -hmm. I, I see it a lot, actually, where you're a good doobie, 
and everybody else around you has now been networking and connecting. And so they're no longer being the good little hardworking doobie. They actually are, um, you know, they're leveraging their relationships to do more interesting things. And so I, what I've seen in meetings a lot is, you know, someone will say, who can take notes? Who can get the coffee? Who can do this and that? And, and saying yes to those things is really helpful to being successful, right? When you're young and you're starting out, you know, but all of a sudden you look up and you're the only one doing it and everybody else has used that meeting not to take the notes and not to go get everybody coffee, but to leverage into the next thing. And you're like, oh, how, am I, how, how did they do that? And I didn't do that. So I, I think I wasn't particularly good at that. And I have, have had to learn how to do that. I think I've, I've been in situations, certainly getting fired from your job when you're an anchor and you get fired from your job. You're usually on air still mm-hmm. <laughs> sitting there. It's embarrassing. You know, navigating those things um, that are messy and uncomfortable and you have to sit there and take it basically. And I think those actually build you a lot. You know, they really do. You, yeah. you learn like, okay, how do, I, how do I get through this thing? Listen, is that life and death? Is that a big deal? It's not. I've covered a lot of stories that were life and death and that were a big deal. So I just never... I guess I've never been, um, I just never think the stuff that I'm going through is the worst thing ever. And yet, you know, it certainly has been challenging starting a new company and, and becoming a CEO. And when I really had no skills to figure out how to be a CEO, uh, you know, I think that was really, really hard. Yeah, well, I love that. And I, you know, we have so many women in our community who are either taking a leap into something new, whether it's a new career or, um, or are entrepreneurs and are in the same position where they've had to jump into something maybe not knowing even how to do it or what it looks like. So how did you make that transition? You know, you had this incredibly accomplished career in journalism and you're still really a journalist. You're still doing, uh, doing things that have a lot of the same skills. But then when you add that extra layer of entrepreneurialism and running a business on top, it, it takes a whole different skill set. Yeah, I think for number one, make sure you have money. I mean, save money, don't just leap. But because, uh, yes, it would be nice to also inherit money if you can. Mm, um, and have your that. parents be very, very wealthy. That would be, <laughs> which I'm joking, of course, because my parents are not wealthy. Um, but I did save a lot of money when I left CNN. And so I knew I had to make a decision right away. Do I want someone to partner with me or do I want to fund it myself? And if I was going to fund it myself, I had to be very careful about my spend. I had a limited number of resources, but I had saved a lot of money knowing that I was going to make a leap. Mm. And what that did was allow me to take the pressure off of having to fulfill somebody else's vision. You know, so I, I really didn't want a partner because I, I remember my husband saying, he was, so, he was so smart about this stuff. He'd say, you don't even know what you want to do. Like, you're not sure. Yeah. So, why would you want to take on a partner who might say, you know, here's what I think the vision is and I own half of this company and I think we should be doing guinea pig videos. You know, mm-hmm. like all of a sudden you <laughs> might find yourself doing guinea pig videos. So, you know, I think that we just made some good decisions, but some of that meant financially. I had to go it alone. I look back and I'm really happy about that. I asked a lot of questions. I made a lot of dumb ass mistakes. I really did. Mm-hmm. I, you know, and I tried to surround myself with people who would be giving of their time and expertise. And so I try to do the same thing for other people, like give them, hey, listen, you know, here's my advice for someone who's now year three of a, a company. And here's what I'm thinking about. Or here's what I know about media that you should think about because I'm an expert in that. Yeah. And then really just trying to learn. I know, I know how I succeed. I succeed when I'm given good opportunities, I'm put in front of smart people and, and I sit down and have coffee and pick people's brain about stuff. And so I think I just, it just, but it takes a long time. It, it t- really does take a, um, it really does take, uh, you know, a solid couple of years before you're like, oh, I get what it means to be the CEO of this company. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. I couldn't relate more. And it's wonderful to hear that from somebody <laughs> who is doing that in a, in a different, on a different scale. 
Um, now listen, I want to ask you about your strengths and how you, you know, how you kind of focus on your strengths, whether it's personal or professional to, to do all of these things that you're doing. I mean, you're, you're a mom, you are running an incredible nonprofit that we're going to talk more about and you're running this business and actually producing a lot of the content within the business. How do you stay focused on the things that you're great at and, and not on those weaknesses or areas that, you know, maybe you're struggling with? Yeah. You know, actually I, I think I don't, I don't. I know what I'm good at. I know what I'm great at. And I'm really nice and confident in that. And then you have to actually walk through the ugly mess of the stuff that you're bad at. So for example, when we started, I really didn't know how to do budgets. And I had a couple of people around me who said they were good at doing budgets. And I was like, great, because I don't really know how to do a budget for a shoot. I don't know what it costs for a photographer for a day. I was a talent. I didn't do that kind of budgeting. Yeah. And so, um, and so I let somebody else do it. And it was a horrible, horrible budget. And I ended up going to work on a shoot where we basically lost money. It was a waste. And I realized pretty quickly, and again, the, the, the beauty of me is that I will make a mistake, but I will rarely make it twice. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, you know what? I guess this means I need to be, they don't know how to do budgets either. They just BSed me and told me they could. <laughs> okay. So I guess I'm going to learn how to do a budget. And now I don't do the first pass, but I sit down and walk through every line of the budget. Because what happens in budgets is someone will say, uh, makeup, that's going to be uh, $300. And you say, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. The shoot is in New York City. There's no one who'll do your makeup for $300 in New York City. Like, put a real number. Oh, you know, or let's put down a photographer for a day for $500. Well, no, not for the project we're doing. We can't do that. So what happens, you get these budgets that are, are actually from the get-go wrong, right? They just, they're not doable. Yeah. And so you immediately are pitching to people something that you cannot do at the price you're saying. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I realized that I had to, um, I had to, um, you know, I had to step in and own it. Otherwise I was going to be on a shoot where, you know, we were literally losing money doing the shoot. And so it's really that it's about saying, okay, I've, I said I wasn't good at this, but I have to be, this is my company. Mm. And if you're not good at it and you abdicate all the responsibility to someone else, frankly, you won't even know when you're being taken for a ride. So I would say focus on the things you're not good at. You don't have to get your PhD in them, but you certainly have to understand them enough to be able to competently hire good people. Every single time I have abdicated something off to somebody else, every single time, I got to tell you, eventually I've come back around and had to do it myself. Truly. I just had to do it myself. So you got to surround yourself with good people and, uh, and then you have to make sure that you're, um, you know, that you're managing those good people, that you know the expectations for them. Mm. Well, I can completely relate to your story. In our first year, I did, I had a number of projects that lost money and, and had to kind of learn. And I, I love that because we, you know, there's so many women who are listening. It's hard, to, right? Doing yeah, a budget? How, how do you, you know, and you're, you're, you, how do you know? Someone will say, I remember when I, we were looking at space here, I'm sitting in my office this morning and I remember someone saying, you know, well, how many square feet will you need? And I was like, I don't know. I don't even know. I don't have any employees. It's How just me. You know? of course. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, so all of those things now, if someone asked me, I'd say, okay, well, listen, here's, tell me what you're thinking about doing. Okay. That's going to require X, Y, and Z, or here's how many bodies you need. You probably need this and that. You probably want such and such. And so, you know, it just, you just learn. It just takes time. But, but if you abdicate to someone, one day you'll be, you'll be looking at a space that's 10,000 square feet and you have five employees and it's too big and you're spending tons of money, or you'll have a space that's 1,000 square feet and you'll have 10 employees and it's too small and you'll be spending lots of money yeah. because you'll be fixing your problem. So it's really about 
diving in and recognizing that you do have to be the expert for a lot of stuff. Yeah. And I, you know, I think sometimes that just comes from experience, doesn't it? You just have to jump in there and try it and then you learn how to do it properly. Yeah. You know, I mean, again, they always say failure, you have to learn something from it. Mm. And I think that's very true. It's, it's got to be, you know, that you, you make a mistake. Making a mistake is not such a bad thing. It's, it's, it's really the, you know, how did I recover from it? Yeah. Well, I want to ask you, um, before we go to a break, I want to ask you a question about journalism, which is a little bit related. So it's something that I think we all agree needs a little bit of um, a little bit of help in our society right now. But it's something that, you know, I feel like your name is instantly recognizable and synonymous with quality journalism. And I know Thank you've you. been, yes, absolutely. And I know you've been an outspoken advocate um, even in recent days for independent journalism and for journalism that really serves the public. So I wanted to ask you and make sure that I took some time just to talk to you about your perspective on our divided media environment and how we can improve that. Yeah, listen, I, I think that um, it's a really challenging time, isn't it? It's really kind of crazy. So I do think that um, from my perspective, and I think everybody has to kind of do what they think they can do. I don't know that there's a lot of value in hand-wringing and doing nothing. I think people who feel like they want to have a voice need to become activists and activists around whatever they believe in. Uh, I think for me, I'm a journalist, so I go tell stories and I make sure that I'm putting out you know, information that I'm, I'm proud of and that I care about. So, you know, I think it's really um, all about everybody doing what they think they can do. Mm, Yeah. Well, um, when we are back, we're going to talk more with Soledad O'Brien about her mission to inspire and inform young women from all backgrounds to attend and succeed in college. I'm Kelly Youngs, and you're listening to the She is Fierce radio show presented by Bozard Ford Lincoln. Welcome back. I'm Kelly Youngs, and you're listening to the She is Fierce show presented by Bozard Ford Lincoln. We are talking with a journalism powerhouse, an entrepreneur, a nonprofit founder, and the mom of four, Soledad O'Brien. So Soledad, I love the story behind the name of your production company, Starfish Media Group. Can you share that story with us? Yeah, you know, we we had been working on a project when I was a journalist at CNN um, in Haiti, and I remember doing this story with a bunch of missionaries. They had a they had an orphanage, and they had I think fifty eight orphans. Now Haiti has about four hundred fifty thousand orphans yeah. that they are struggling with, and orphans in Haiti means that you actually probably have a parent, the parent can just not take care of you. Mm -hmm. And so I remember talking to these missionaries and kind of feeling like, so 58 out of 450,000, huh? (laughs) Like, (laughs) it's kind of not that impressive. And they said the most amazing thing to me, which was something like, she said, you know, um, it's a starfish story. And I was like, what are you talking about? She goes, oh, you know, the reason we do this, it's a starfish story. I said, well, what's a starfish story? So this goes like this, boys walking along the beach, tide's gone out all these starfish have been stranded on the sand. And so the boy starts picking up starfish, chucking them back in the water. Guy comes up to him and says, what are you doing? Like, this is, this is a waste of time. There's a million starfish on the beach. And, and, and there's like just you, a kid, you know, what are you doing? Total waste of your time. And the kid picks up a starfish and throws it back into the water and says, well, I guess it mattered to that one. And what I loved about that story was really about the impact that one person can have on one starfish, that it's not just... You know, hey, if I can just help one, but really that there is this opportunity to have an effect. And hopefully it's a multiplier just by doing it. And we really thought 
by focusing on the things that we wanted to as an independent company and then leveraging the platforms and access that we had, we'd be able to really change the narrative around some of these issues that we really care about. I mean, I have to tell you, I uh, obviously saw the name of your company and thought, well, that's a cute name. And then as I did more research and learned more about it, I was so touched by that story. And I think it is so reflective of the work that you guys are doing. Um, and it's something that, you know, it touches me as well for She is Fierce. When I started it, I had a completely different name. And I just by chance came across the Shakespeare quote, though she be but little, she is fierce. And I immediately, just like you're describing, had this experience where I thought, oh my gosh, that's it. I'm changing. This is what I'm trying to do. Right. That's yes, what I'm trying to do. Because it's yeah. exactly that. Um, it's, it's just like your Starfish story. It's the idea that, you know, we're all small in the big scheme of things, but what we do and what we bring to the world, even in a small scale, can make a big difference. If we just let yeah. that fierce come out or if we just, t- you know, take those 58 children and we do what we can for them. So I just exactly. I mean, I think a lot of people also sit around and say, "But I'm just one person. Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't have, um, you know, I don't have the resources or the ability." Well, I think that that's really critical. Yeah, I love the story of the, you know, the orphans that they were helping. The fact that, just like you said, I, I, I would have had the same response. Well, 58, that's wonderful, but come on, what are we going to do on a larger scale? But when you really break it down, the difference that they were making in 58 people's lives, and the difference that you are making with your organization, Power Hurtful is incredible. And I was so lucky to be able to attend one of your events and see the impact that it was having on the young women that were in attendance. And then you are really making a difference in the lives of so many women. So can I ask you to share a little bit about Power Hurtful and and, um, why you're so passionate about it and what the mission is behind it? Sure. You know, Power Hurtful, which is the name of our foundation, is um, is really about it, helping women. I mean, exactly what you're doing, just really showing people that women are fierce and young women are fierce. And then sometimes fierce people need a little help and a little guidance and a little pushing and a little pulling and a little cheerleading. So what we wanted to do with our powerful summits, which we take around the country, you and I met in Jacksonville. Yep. We've just wrapped up one in Atlanta. We've got two in New York City. We're doing another one in Cleveland, probably in Detroit, probably in Washington, D.C. We did one in L.A. We got a bunch. We go around the country with hundreds of young women who come and and they're girls who want to be successful. They're in high school or college. And we really sit down and invite women in the community, in their own community in, to work with them and give them advice about, you know, what they could be doing now so that they're navigating college even better or even navigating getting through high school even better. So how many women have you helped? I mean, there were a ton of women at the event that I attended. Yeah, we have about between 200 and 300 young women come to our summits. So we're over, well over a couple thousand girls yeah. uh, at the summits. And then every year we have about 25 scholars that we send to and through college and, and some are um, alums. We just had graduation for 10 scholars this year. It was a big oh, year for us. So one of our young women went off to get her doctorate. So she's now Dr. Amanda. Awesome. One of our young women uh, we sent to law school has just uh, passed the bar in California. We're excited about her. Many, many college graduates some two-year degree graduates taking a semester off before they start up to finish their four-year degree uh, and uh, and just really, really excited about all the, you know, just helping young women get to the things that they're hoping to do. Now, you, your mission is also, it's obviously for all young women, but it's also specifically for women of diverse backgrounds, right? Listen, it's not. I mean, we, 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 I would say we over-index in women of color, but our, our, um, our summits are incredibly diverse. We open it up to community-based organizations, and so they invite 
um, whatever girls, listen, any girl who wants to be successful is invited. Yeah. They have an open invitation. And, uh, and you know, really, we, we want to help all young women. Um, sometimes we have found that girls in poverty or girls who are, are their first in their family to be thinking about college often need a little more help. Yeah. Well, listen, how can the women who are listening, who are like, oh my God, this sounds amazing. I love your Starfish story. I love everything that you're doing. How can they support you financially through their time and effort? How can they bring Powerful to their city? How can they get involved? Yeah, I think the best thing to do is hop online with us. Um, if you go to Twitter, we're on at, at Powerful Foundation, FDT. And that's where we put all our information up. We have a gala, of course. We use it as a big fundraiser to pay for scholarships. And then we have Powerfuls around the country. So most people just link with us online. Uh, obviously, if you live in Ohio or something, you're probably not going to make it to our gala in New York City this year. Yeah. Um, but maybe there's a great opportunity to see you in Cleveland. We're always looking for financial support, of course, because that financial support goes to underwrite scholarships and opportunities. And then um, I'm looking for women who want to help out and mentor and connect with our our young people in their own backyards. Oh, it's such a great event. I was so impressed with the quality of the young women that were there with the speakers and the fact that they were really taking time to connect. Cause I know we've all been to those conferences and summits where um, there's not, you know, you kind of walk away and you go, well, that was a good day. And I felt like you could really feel in the room that some of the young women were taking incredible notes. They were going up to speak with the speakers afterwards and they were getting a ton of value out of that day. And, and as you said, I think that makes a phenomenal difference. I have friends personally who I know can speak to one event where one woman in particular came in to speak with them and that changed the trajectory of their life. And I think that's something that you are absolutely doing. So I'm so excited to be able to share that with the women listening. But listen, you can learn more about the Powerful Summits and you can learn more about how you can support Soledad and her mission to send more deserving young women to college and help them graduate at powerful.org. And make sure I get this right, Soledad. It's at powerful, P-O-W-H-E-R-F-U-L-F-D-T. Is that right? That's right. Okay. And I'm Kelly Youngs, and you're listening to the She Is Fierce show presented by Bozard Ford Lincoln. Welcome back. I'm Kelly Youngs, and you're listening to the She Is Fierce radio show presented by Bozard Ford Lincoln. We are talking with the indomitable Soledad O'Brien. Soledad, at the end of our shows, we always ask for your words of wisdom. Now, can I ask you a question that I often ask some of our um, accomplished women that we interview? And it is really, what is that piece of advice that you always have in the back of your mind, but you never really share because you're too polite? What is that one piece of advice that you just wish you could tell other women and you're maybe oh a God, never polite to say? Oh, nothing. <laughs> Literally. I mean, I'm never shy about anything. I mean, again, I think one thing that's really helpful for women generally is that someone takes them aside and gives them some assistance, especially if you have no dog in the fight, right? If I'm not your mother, if I'm not your aunt, if I'm not your best friend, but I'm just someone who says, hey, listen, I saw you on the panel. I remember doing interviews and I'd say to people, you know, just a TV tip, cross your leg the other way. Because on TV, it looks better if your knees, when the camera's looking at you, your knees, your legs are facing away from the camera as opposed to your legs being, just like a tip like that makes it much easier to navigate something. Yeah. So it's just, some, you know, things like that. I am never shy. And I'd say most of the time people are grateful for it. If they're not, no worries. Yeah. Well, what advice have you been given that you've taken to heart and lived out in your life? 
Um, you know, I think for me, my mom was really aggressive about telling people, you know, everybody has the same 24 hours. And so stop comparing yourself to other people and stop, you know, whining about being overworked or too busy. You get to pick, you know, and, and you, you can have everything you want to do, but you have to get it done in 24 hours. So, you know, everybody picks how they want to live their life. And then I think the other thing was, you know, whenever disappointment struck, she would say, you know, you have 24 hours to, you know, weep and cry and moan and complain and, you know, and, and tell everybody how sad your life is. And then, you know, get up and start working. Yeah. You know, it reminds me of that saying, we all have the same amount of hours in the day as Beyonce. <laughs> so maybe it's, we all have right. the same number of hours in the day as Soledad. Uh, well, so I want to ask you, who is a woman or man who most inspires you, who you maybe look to as a hero or somebody who really just gives you that motivation to keep going. I think the greatest thing about my job is that I really feel inspired by regular people. It's very nice. I mean, I was chatting with some young woman on Twitter the other day who'd sent a message out that she was just depressed. It was two weeks before finals and she just felt like she couldn't understand. She's studying epidemiology, so I'm not like I could help her. You know, but I literally was tweeting. I'm like, listen, go and get a stop right now and go and get help. Walk to, this is what we tell our girls. I did not know this young lady. I said, go get help. Go find a teacher and make them explain it to you. She's like, I got this final. I just don't know. I don't understand the material. I'm like, go find someone. Go advocate for yourself and go down and find someone who will help you. Do not leave until you get some help on this thing. And you know what? She ended up doing fine on her final. She did well. She was very panicked because she had gotten into grad school. But if she didn't pass the final, she'd lose her scholarship. Right, that's a lot so there was pressure. a lot riding on it. Yeah. So, you know, she did it. She got it done. And, uh, and now she's in New York going to visit me today because she came to send herself to New York um, as, a, as, a, as a gift for herself. So, you know, so cool. sometimes you just need to give people a little shove. It's really, I'm really proud of that. Yeah, that's amazing. And I'm so excited to hear that you're actually connecting with her in person. Yeah, it's fun. Really fun. <laughs> well, I, I want to ask you our last question that I always love to close on. And it's just what your final thoughts are for the women who are listening um, who are part of the She Is Fierce community or who just happen to have turned on this podcast or listening to this radio show, what's that one piece of advice that you just want to share? No, I think our message for our scholars and the young women who attend our powerful summits around the country is it's all about self-advocacy. At the end of the day, you mentioned a minute ago, right? Beyonce has the same number of hours. Mm -hmm. What Beyonce does well, she surrounds herself with great people, right? I'm sure when she started, maybe some of the people weren't so great, but as yeah. you grow and you have opportunity and you get smarter, you learn to help yourself. You learn to help yourself, right? So this young woman that I was just mentioning, you know, she got there and she had to learn how to help herself out of a tough spot. Now, helping yourself doesn't mean doing it by yourself. It just means navigating it. And so she knew who has the answers to this test, who knows the, how to, to do this test well, some professor. Okay, so therefore, ergo, my strategy needs to be sit down with someone who knows the material, who can help me learn it. And I think that's what we try to tell young women. Advocate for yourself. It's about, it's about figuring out how are you going to navigate through a problem. It really is on you. It's not going to be solved by somebody else. Getting through it might be somebody assists you, but coming up with that solution often is going to have to be you asking for help and getting some guidance. Yeah. So be your own advocate. Absolutely. Always. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Soledad, for joining us today. It has been really lovely to get to know you a little bit better. And I am so inspired by your story and everything that you are doing. Thank you. You're so nice. 
Well, you can watch Soledad on the political magazine program, Matter of Fact, which airs across the country. Check it out at matteroffact.tv to find the channel and airtime for your area and learn more about the Powerful Summits and how you can support Soledad in her mission to send more deserving young women to college and help them graduate at powerful.org, P-O-W-H-E-R-F-U-L.org. And you can get tickets to join me live at the She is Fierce Women's Wednesday's Summer Speaker Series, which starts May 31st and every Wednesday in June at womenswednesdays.com. And find more about becoming a member of She is Fierce at sheisfiercehq.com forward slash join. You can join women in eight countries who are up-leveling their lives right now. 